were white. An idea ran through her head of using the bottle as a weapon. It was full, and so heavy she could do some damage if necessary, except now her fingerprints would be all over it. She laughed at her own nervousness. She was feeling much too tense. She'd been in this state for days, maybe weeks. If Jake saw her right now, he would tease her and tell her she was just imagining things. He would say there was nothing to worry about. Nothing at all. Relax. Chill out. Don't upset the children. Everything's fine. But, of course, that wasn't true. Everyone knew there was plenty to worry about. Everyone here in Riddings, and in all the other villages scattered along this eastern fringe of the Peak District, it was in the papers and on TV. No one was safe. Still, Zoe hesitated, feeling a sudden urge to turn around and run back to the sitting room to find Jake and hold on to him for safety. But instead, she switched on the light and took a step further into the kitchen. She saw the body of a moth now. It lay dead on the floor, its wings torn, its fragile body crushed to powder. It was a big one, too, faint black markings still discernible on its flattened wings. Was it big enough to have blundered into the light and set it swinging? A moth was so insubstantial. But desperate creatures thrashed around in panic when they were dying. It was always frightening to watch. There was something strange about the moth. Zoe crouched to look more closely. Her stomach lurched as she made it out. Another pattern was visible in the smear of powder. A section of ridge, like the sole of a boot, as if someone had trodden on the dead insect squashing it on the tiles. She straightened up again quickly, looking around, shifting her grip on the bottle, trying to fight the rising panic. Jake, she said. A faint thump on the ground outside. Was that what she'd heard or not? A footstep too heavy for a fox, the wrong sound for a falling timber. This wasn't right. The only person who might legitimately be outside the house at this time of night was Jake, and she'd left him in the sitting room, sprawled on the couch and clutching a beer. If he'd gone out to the garage for some reason, he would have told her. If he'd gone to the front door, he would have passed her in the hall. So it wasn't Jake outside. It wasn't her husband moving about now on the decking, fumbling at the back door. But still, she clung on to the belief, the wild hope, that there was nothing to worry about. I'm perfectly safe. Everything's fine. Jake, she called, and again, louder, much louder, and louder still, until it became a scream. Jake! 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 Six miles from Riddings, Detective Sergeant Ben Cooper turned the corner of Edendale High Street into Hollowgate and stopped to let a bus pull into the terminus. The town hall lay just ahead of him, closed at this time of night but illuminated by spotlights, which picked out the pattern in its stonework that had earned its nickname of the Wavy House. Across the road, the Starlight Café was doing good business as usual, with a steady stream of customers. Taxis were lining up for their busiest time of the day. It was almost ten o'clock on an ordinary August evening. The pubs were even busier than the Starlight, of course. Cooper could hear the music pounding from the Wheat Chief and the Red Lion, the two pubs on either side of the market square. A crowd of youngsters screamed and laughed by the war memorial. 
watched by a uniformed PC and a community support officer in bright yellow high-vis jackets, the pair of them standing in the entrance to an alley near the Raj Mahal. Even in Edendale there were often fights at closing time, and drug dealers operating wherever they could find a suitable spot. On Friday and Saturday nights there would be a personnel carrier with a prisoner cage in the back and multiple foot patrols of officers on the late shift. A change came over the town then, a place that had looked so quaint during the day, with its cobbled alleys and tall stone buildings, revealed its Jekyll and Hyde nature. Eh, hey, mate, shouldn't you be out arresting some criminals? Ooh, duck, show your bat on. Looking round at the shouts, Cooper saw that the bus was a Holly's number 19 from the Devonshire estate. Oh, great. He took a sharp step back from the curb, turning his body away towards the shop window behind him. There were too many eyes gazing from the windows of the bus, and the likelihood of too many familiar faces, people he didn't want to meet when...